So peace, peace, peace. I am Philip Roucher, and you're tuned into episode 34 of Hashtag You Good Man. Do me a favor, tell a brother, tell a sister, make sure you subscribe. I'm not sure what platform you're using, but make sure you hit the subscribe button. Otherwise, I might think that you don't like me. You know what I mean? And we all want to be liked and we all want to be loved out here. You know, so today is 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 one of those one of those episodes that, you know, again, that I'm looking forward to in having this discussion. Uh, I first met this brother whew, now it had to be about three, four years ago. It just happened to run yeah. into him at the gym. Might have been following each other at the time, but you know how it is with social media. You know people on on social media, but you don't know them in real life. And so immediately you know, we had this this transparent, vulnerable conversation. The ones that I enjoy. See, I'm not one with the with the fluffy convos. You know what I mean? People are like, Phil, <laughs> you gotta go network. You gotta go network. I'm like, yeah, I understand that, but I ain't with this. So, hey, how are you? I'm not with that, man. I want to get to the nitty gritty and find out who people are. You know, within those first few minutes. And with you, brother, it was. You know, I got that right off the bat. I got a, you know, just some insight into who you are into what your story is. And so the person I'm talking about today is, is Mr. A&F All Natural Fitness uh, action figure, the A&F action figure, Mr. Lewis Ford. So yes, he yes, is an yes. elite trainer, a fitness guru over 10, 10 years, over 120,000 views on Instagram. I, I saw the one post and I saw, I saw it go viral. It kept popping up on my timeline. You getting punched in the stomach. It kicked in the oh, stomach. I showed my, my girl that today, and she was like, whoa, what, what's happening here? I was like, listen, don't nobody try it <laughs> for me because it might be the end of my life. You know what I mean? Yeah. It might be it for me. Um, so he's committed himself to educating and outfitting top athletes, fitness enthusiasts, public figures, social media sensations, and everyday hardworking individuals on the importance of never giving up. Again, when I, when I first spoke to you, that's what I got from you immediately. Right? I, yeah. I try to pride myself on being a uh, a good judge of of not only character but just a, a good job of uh, authentic people right and so what i got from you immediately was just an authentic brother and so yep. since he's beginning this fitness journey he's developed and maintained a fitness discipline that meets at the intersection of simple and complex um he he designs his own workouts that may be unorthodox to some but listen everything ain't for everybody right and mm -hmm. so what the goal is you want to be able to challenge yourself. You want to be able to push yourself because it's amazing what the body can do um, if we actually put forth that effort and get out that idea that, oh, it's hard. Oh, it's difficult. Oh, this isn't what everybody else is doing. Let me just get out here and, again, be my most authentic self. And I think that yes. comes across in your videos, too, because it's just like, what's this brother doing? And then when you think about it, it's just like no different than what Bruce Lee was doing, no different than what yeah. all these other people are doing. They're just pushing themselves not only physically to to the limit to figure out who they are and identify who they are and their purpose out here, but also mentally, right? So uh, again, Mr. Lewis Ford, I appreciate you being on. Mm -hmm. I appreciate you ha having me on, brother. You said that we met a couple of uh, years ago, I think like four years ago, and um, we were both doing what we love to do, squatting, and uh, LA Fitness, Cedarbrook in Philadelphia. That's when I was uh, staying in Philadelphia. And the one thing that, that I liked right away was you was your authentic self. It wasn't about, um, you know, how many followers or you're doing this, you're doing that. It was, I have a mission and this is what I want to do. You, t you told me about, you know, the quad, protecting your quad and stuff like that. And I remember that. 
And as soon as you start talking it, I'm like, damn, this is alignment. And I really believe in that, the energy, putting those vibrations out there so those individuals that are in alignment with that purpose, with that energy, with that mission will come to you, man. So you attract each other. And I just want to let you know, bro, I really appreciate you because since day one, no matter what, you give who you are on social media. And I'm big on that nonconformity. To thine own self be true. Live your purpose. Keep your boots laced up and keep chipping away, man. Keep driving. So as much respect to you, bro. I appreciate you, man. Oh, man, listen, I, I appreciate it. Uh, I, you know, I do want to divulge, you know, a little bit about what we talked about earlier, right? Because, again, this goes to goes to who you are. Uh, yes. You know, when, when we talked, it was just like, yo, I, you know, these people out here who follow me on social media, they know me as the ANF action figure. They see me doing the different things. I might go viral. I might post this, post this. But I'm in a position now, I'm in a place now where I want them to know who Lewis Ford is, right? I, yeah. I want the world to understand who that is. And so what that meant to me is, that meant to me, you know, that, again, just gives me more insight into who you are. See, when I do a, when I speak about mental and emotional wellness, one of the things that, that definitely impacts our mental health is, you know, we over-identify with the role, right? And so this is one of the reasons that Adam Silver of the NBA, the commissioner, he's now trying to figure out why are NBA players so unhappy, right? And mm -hmm. it doesn't necessarily have to be NBA players. It could be somebody who's a police officer. It could be somebody who's a, um, a father, somebody who's a mother. They over-identify with that one role. Right. So people look at me as, oh, you're the mental health bull. Yeah, I'm the mental health bull. Right. But I'm also somebody that likes to go to the gym. I like to watch Netflix movies. I like to do these different things. There's so much more to me than what it is, the one thing that you might know me for. And so that's yeah. immediately what I saw. And that's a lot of things that that plague men, especially. Right. Because we want to know, be known as the money makers. But then we forget these. We neglect these other aspects. And so when you say, yo. Listen, I know you got your structure of how you run your show. That's love. But I want to talk about also about what it looks like for me to be a father, what it looks like for me to be um, an entrepreneur even outside of the fitness world and what that yes. looks like. So, you know, big ups to you. And, and how what caused you to to perceive or start to look at um, the importance of who you are outside of the A&F action figure? Um, well, actually, the ANF action figure was born out of, um, birthed out of a dark place. It was uh, a lot of depression, a lot of um, anxiety, dealing with some demons of my past, some things that I was into before I got into fitness. And um, to be blunt, I'm sitting in a room by myself, solitary confinement. Um, you're in there 23 hours a day um you get out for an hour it's a 15 minute shower 15 minute phone call and then you're put outside in a large field but you walk around in a small cage so just picture the field being the size of a football field but the cage being the size of a bathroom and you're inside this large field so you feel extremely small and also you feel like a sense of loneliness and that kicked in from you know I lost my mother, I lost my mother at a young age, I lost my father at a young age. Uh, my mother died in church on my sister's 11-year-old birthday in front of my three younger sisters. So my, sis my older sister was 16, my uh, sister whose birthday it was was 11, and my younger sister was 9. And um, I had lost my father three years before, prior. 
and my oldest sister seen him pass away as well. So at 20, I lost my father, then I lost my mother at 24. Um, I had two children of my own, and I became the guardian of my three younger sisters. So I had mm-hmm. two children. I had a son. I had my son when I was 15. I had my daughter. I turned 20. 20 I'm sorry, 19. And then I have my, um, my three younger sisters who I'm re- responsible for, and my children's mother is holding it down, man, while I'm dealing with some dark stuff in the street. So, yeah, the A&F action figure, to get back to your question, your, uh, your answer, man, is just like it was born out of a sense of just like when I was at my lowest, bro. So in solitary confinement, I needed to create something to be able to get me through that. And that's mm-hmm. actually when I started uh, dealing with the pain that I, was, that I was going through. And at this point right now, looking back on it, I would accept pain and invite pain and chase pain because it made me feel alive. And it was like, I'm not going to let it break me. So, yeah, I wanted to create a, a being stronger than my human self that could deal with anything, man, that came my way because I got so accustomed to dealing with pain and pushing through yeah. it. Yeah. 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 No, listen, that's that's real. And, and what it sounds like you're saying is, and, and now that you're saying it, it makes me think about, especially a lot of black men, how we run towards trauma, right? Because we get our yes. validation from these experiences because we can't do it internally. Um, or we might have had so much trauma in our past, and that's what we, we become accustomed to. And so yes. our worth, um, how we feel good about ourselves, is running right back into that trauma. Mm-hmm. For me, it was like, if it wasn't painful, like, I, I didn't feel alive. Like, the pain is actually what, what made me elevate so I felt at the time. And it was just like, all right, I'm inviting it, and I'm, not, I'm going to show that it can't break me. So mm. it feels like... And looking back and all of the knowledge that I've gathered since then, it's just like my mindset was inviting pain. So that's all I was introduced to. That's all I understood. I couldn't even yeah. see a good thing when I had it. So I would chase pain, bro, to feel alive. Yeah. And for, for a lot of us, what that looks like is, and I, you know, myself included, is when I would enter relationships, right? It's this idea yes. that if we not arguing something wrong, right? Mm-hmm. So, so how, how warped are, is our thinking if we're, if, you know, in order for us to feel grounded and to feel um, safe is to be in these traumatic situations or these unhealthy situations. So, yeah, man, that's, that's definitely major. So I, I know that you talk about, uh, about your healing process and, and what that means to you. So I know yes. in creation of the, the A&F action figure, that was a part of your healing process. But what else have you mm-hmm. done? as far as to to work towards healing that that younger self that saw the trauma that was incarcerated and, and saw that experience that trauma what else have you done so the so i want to go back for a second and tap into the relationship part i know that you just spoke about um mm-hmm. your challenges with relationships that's that's me all the way bro so at um i want to say at 15 i met my children's mother um, I was 15, she was 16, and um, a year later, we had my son. So we met the first week of ninth grade. Uh, a year later, we had my son. I was 16, she was 17. And um, I want to say another, what, five years later, we had my daughter. So from, let's just say, 98 all the way up into uh, 2018, we were together. Ups and down, bumps and bruises. Um, and we just recently separated. So after 21, 20, 
yeah, 21 years. My son is 20 now. He has a full academic scholarship in college. Uh, we were together 21 years, and we recently separated a year ago. One thing I can say, bro, is that I didn't know what I had um, because, like I said, the pain of seeing different things growing up, um, the pain of not understanding a blessing, the pain of not understanding appreciation and gratitude and, and being committed and um, being there all the way uh, ultimately led to so many different um, painful situations with our relationship. And uh, we hung in there and we fought and we fought and we fought. We didn't get help uh, mentally. We fought, we fought, we fought for, for each other, not with each other, but for each other. There was no abuse. Um, and eventually it just led to the demise of our relationship because we both weren't at the place where we could move forward. And one thing I do want to say is she's a beautiful woman, bro, a great woman. Uh, gave me two beautiful children, uh, my son, my daughter. Um, I love her to this day, and it's just at a point right now where I understand that Lewis needs to fall in love and consistently work on himself healing. So in order to do that, I must separate myself and be in a better place for myself first. So it's all about self-love. That's what I want to get to, bro. Yeah, yeah, no, for sure, for sure. So, you know, ask the question. I'm not trying to put you in the therapist chair, you know what I mean? Yeah. But, no doubt, no doubt. But I, but I think it's key, especially in those situations, and again, I'm – you know, experiencing the same thing where I, I've gone to therapy and I'm really starting to recognize how unhealthy I was as an individual. So especially mm -hmm. the relationship that I had with my daughter's mother, how unhealthy I was in that situation. And one of the things yes. that I had to do and that, I, that I've done and I continue to work on because, I'm, you know, we're our harshest critics, right? But mm -hmm. I, I had to really work on forgiving myself. Right. I yes. had to really, really hunker down and acknowledge those feelings that will come up and forgiving myself. And so that would be my question to you. Have you know, I know you're saying that, you know, you recognize what it is, but have you started <clears throat> that healing process as far as the forgiveness aspect of, of, of not even her and her role in it, but first starting yes. with you? Well, yes, definitely. What I, one thing I set back and had an, I had a major issue with was, um, and moving forward, all right, I have two young, I have three younger sisters, and I also have a daughter who I love, man. It's just like my daughter is is everything to me, man. She's my spirit, she's my heart, she's it's the feeling. You know how it is. You have a you have a daughter. Yeah, that yeah, connect, yeah, yeah. That that connection that you have is amazing. So, um, when I think about being the ideal role model to my princess, and if I gave it my all. That was an issue that I had before. Like, damn, how did I just not give it my How did I give up on a relationship? But then hindsight, looking at it and talking to my daughter one-on-one, -on -one, it's just like um, if I'm not happy, if I'm not in a place where I understand that this is my position, it's better that I do move on because showing a role model isn't always about hanging in there. And I got so accustomed to keep driving, never give up, keep driving, never give up, hang in there, deal with the pain, deal with the pain, but not dealing with the pain in a healthy manner. So you're just staying there, but you're not changing. It's just like that's the definition of insanity. So in order to like really connect with, I feel like the relationship and bond with my daughter now is stronger because there's transparency. I'm not perfect. Her mother isn't perfect, but I just want her to know that I'm that that I'm working on me getting better, and that's what I've been doing with her. So yeah, the healing process comes from just being more transparent with my son and my daughter with regards to the issues that I've had and the issues that I'm working on because that's what's most important. 
Yeah. Yeah. No, listen, listen. I, and that was going to be one of the questions. You know, how has that, how has your healing impact your relationship with your children? Because so, for, so often um, we, you know, we neglect the, the impact that our actions, our behaviors, and not taking care of ourselves, right? Yes. Will have on our child. And so we stay in situations, we stay in relationships yep. unhappy. They're, they're not productive. And we're thinking, you know what? I, and again, I'm speaking for me, but you know what? At least I'm present, right? But then when I'm present, yeah. how is my mood? How is my energy that I'm giving off? Is this yes. best for, is this best for not only me, but is it best for my daughter? And, I, you know, I have a, a stepson, my son, he's 19. And is this best for, for him, right? Is it, is it best for them going forward in their relationships? Or do they need to recognize, you know what? It's okay that two people aren't together, but they can come together to still co-parent in a healthy way to raise two healthy children. Right? Yes, yes. So yes, and so I hear it a lot. Good. I hear that a lot as well, like from friends. Um, I'm not gonna even say from friends, from people that I connect with. I got very few friends, bro. Be honest with you, but from people that I connect with from time to time, and they and they uh, share their story. It's just like, it's like um it's a norm to just stay in something because of the children or because of how long we've been together. And it's just like, either, although we're not happy, it looks like we're happy on the surface. And for so long, I, I focused on the look of things, although I wasn't happy and I wasn't giving her what she needed and I, she wasn't giving me what I needed also, that it started to affect like everybody in the household. And like I said, once we were both honest with each other that it was, it was over, it's like the relationship separately with my children and her relationship with our children has just been like, it's been special, bro. And my respect for her has gotten even stronger because it's just like, in all actuality, she actually set me free by saying, listen, man, I can't do this anymore, bro. Yeah. So it helped out a lot, man, because now I'm on a mission. Things have been getting better and um, we're able to communicate here and there a little bit better, bro. Yeah. Okay. No doubt. No doubt. Yeah. And, and so with that, you know, I want to go into the idea of, of masculinity. Uh, because okay. I, and I want to know if, if do you think that that played a part, what they say a man is supposed to be, right, mm. and how a man is supposed to act. A man is supposed to provide for his family. He's supposed to be yes. there nonstop, whether he, he's supposed to be uh, dumbed down his emotions, repress his emotions, yes. so he can be on he'll be unhappy at yes. the expense of 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 his for his family right so no did doubt. that play in any part in it just what society says you have to be especially as a black man because we hear these statistics um even though they're inaccurate about the black man not being in the home right yes. so did any of that subconsciously play a role well to, to be perfectly honest with you i'll take it back to uh when i decided to get into the street um we found out that uh my children's mother was having my son and I'm um, 15 and I grew up with my mother and my father in the same household so it's not like it's a broken home or anything like that I, I grew up seeing family um, I have an older brother and I have three younger sisters so I, we all grew up in the same household there was love there my, my father's actually the one who taught me that it was okay to cry and still be masculine like we would my son my brother and I, my brother and my father and I we would sit in the living room, play cards, you know, have fun, just talk. My father, he was 
in the Marines. He boxed, did martial arts. So he taught me a lot of things. He ran. I worked out with him a lot. Um, so he taught me that from the beginning because he would actually, like, we would stand in the living room before we went to sleep from time to time, and he would hug me and my brother and tell us, listen, we all we got. We got to stick together. And he would actually have tears coming down his face. So the bond that, that built with my father and with my brother was extremely strong. Now, going into answering your question with me, when I became a father or when I knew that I was going to become a father soon, my decision was, damn, I seen my father, my mother together. My father took care of me. Now it's just like, all right, I want to be able to take care of my son. But without that uh, proper education or, you know, any type of financial literacy or a vision or purpose on what I was going to do in order to take care of my son, um, I was around uh, fast money. <laughs> And in the street, walking back and forth to school and things of that nature. So uh, my choice was, you know, I'm going to get into the dope game. So at 16 is when I started to uh, started to hustle. And at, well, I want to say around what uh, I got my uh, GED and then 20 apartment. So I grew up fast. I didn't really have a child, a chance to have a childhood. I'm a father at 16 years old. I'm in the street running around, you know, doing my thing. Um, we get an apartment. Now it's my children. I mean, it's my son, my children's mother. We're living together. We got three apartments. We finally were able to, you know, get something else. And it's just like the whole time my mindset is I got to make sure that I'm the man of the house when not even stepping back and saying, what does, what do I want to do? What do I love? I know I got to still be a father, but what am I, what do, what's, what's my purpose? And I really didn't find that bro until it was, uh, time for me to be taken away from them man and that hurt a lot bro yeah a lot and so I, I know you touched on you know being incarcerated so how long were you were you incarcerated for well I was um I was in the street from what 15 to 26 I was in the street for 11 years and um I was given a four to ten year sentence uh wind up doing five so five years brother Wow. Wow. Yeah. And and so I know you talked about experience about that experience, um, you know, being in the hole and, and what have you. And so how mm -hmm. was, you know, how was that experience when you knew you had the, it was about to be your time was about to be up and it was time for you to really get out here. What was your mindset at that point? Uh, well, <laughs> I thought that it was my time. Um, I, I, I was given a four to 10 year sentence and um, I, on my fourth year, you know, it was time to go see the parole board. And when you go see the parole board, you got to, you know, beg and plead um, to give freedom. And what are you going to do when you leave here? The whole, you know, song and dance. Um, that's psychological warfare in, in and of itself because you have to actually go in there and not speak about the things that you've accomplished, the things that you've learned while on the inside, like reading over a, a hundred books um, learning the anatomy inside and out, learning every bone, learning every muscle, um, like basically getting a degree without a degree. Like this is studying and reading all day long, not only about physical fitness, but nutrition, the laws of attraction, the laws of the universe. Just reading anything I can get my hands on. Yeah. That wasn't that wasn't important. Uh, what was important was um, why did you have uh, the illegal guns and illegal drugs four years prior? 
So um, I'm talking to him and I'm asking him, you know, I'm ready for freedom. I'm ready to get out of here. Um, I have my children and my, my children's mother waiting by the phone, waiting for the response. So I'm like 50 seconds into my spill about, you know, wanting to, to be a free man and do what I have to do to take care of my family. I have this vision of all natural fitness, the A&F action figure, motivating people, putting out positive vibes, planting positive seeds, because I know, like, I found my purpose while in solitary confinement, bro, like yeah. every single day, just just visualizing. Um, they stopped me less than one minute into my spill and uh, tell me that um, the judge is recommending that I do the entire 10 years. So they wasn't going to parole me and that they would review my case in another 365 days. So basically, go back to your, go back to your cell and tell your family that you're not coming home and you have the possibility of coming home in another year. So four years, which we thought, which my family was devastated, four years, which we thought which would, would be the day, wasn't the day. We had to wait another year. And um, on the fifth year, ultimately, was when I was, uh, they gave me uh, parole. So I had to wait six weeks before I'm free. And I just start uh, setting my, you know, intentions in order, purpose, uh, LLC, uh, uh, insurance, personal training, all natural fitness, the way we're going to have it set up, a logo, all of those things were in my mind because I had so much time to sit down and really master my craft. When I was yeah. given, when I was given a, a four to 10 years uh, sentence, I, I promised myself and I promised my, um, my children's mother that cause we were together at the time that I was going to treat this four years as if it was college. And I was just going to try to grasp as much information as possible and, um, and find a purpose so that I can be out and take care of our family. Yeah. So I found it, I found it, bro. Um, one last thing about being on the inside when I first went in, um, the question during intake from a guard was, in the event that you're um, murdered, or in the event that you die in here, where do you want your body sent? Where do you want your body shipped? So it was almost like when that switch kicked on and this whole thing with train as if your life depends on it, that I, I push and that I yell, was built on the inside because it's just like mm -hmm. I'm going home for sure. So, um, yeah, 50, 50 pounds later, um, I'm the personal trainer, I have my freedom. And I say 50 pounds later because I went in at 175 and came out at 225 pounds wow. off, of implement, off of implementing the things that I've learned on the inside. And, of course, prison food isn't all the way good, but between commissary and, um, and the chow hall, and the knowledge that I was gathering, I was able to put on 50 pounds of solid muscle while on the inside, brother. Um, wow. So, yeah. Wow. And five years later, I'm here. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so again, salute to you, man, because a lot of brothers, they don't have that story to tell. Right. They unfortunately, when they do come out, you know, they're taken out of this environment that's unhealthy and then they're put right back in and, and they might not have taken advantage of the reading and it improving and enhancing their their skill set so when they do get back out there that they they can improve the their chances of being successful and so you getting back you possibly seeing the same people you might have been hanging out with or what have you uh how did you avoid recidivism how did you how did you deal and and maneuver and manage the friends and the acquaintances that you might have been interacting with and running the streets how were you able to avoid those pressures so um, it was painful to experience um, my first my first painful lesson with regards to 
um, um, my brother, my older brother. Before I went away, um, I want to say two nights before I went away, I actually uh, talked to the guy that I was dealing with um, in the game, and I told him that, uh, you know, to – I told him that – I introduced him to my brother. So my brother started dealing with him. And um, a year, two years, in, a year and a half into my sentence, this guy was arrested. Now, when I'm about to get out, this same guy that I introduced to my brother was the individual who got my brother locked up. So wow. that's what, so, so, so in hearing that story, it's just like, damn, not only do I put myself inside, but someone who I introduced to my brother who I trust gets my brother arrested. Now he's away from his family. So I'm seeing all the disaster. I'm seeing all of the darkness. I'm seeing all of how this shit just uproots you from the bottom, like nothing but negativity, no matter how much you make out of it, no matter what you get from the game, it stills your spirit. It stills your soul. It's darkness. It's hatred. It's anger. It's frustration. And those things hurt while I was on the inside, bro. Um, hearing my son's graduation um, while on while in the day room and, my, and I'm on my children's mother's phone, hearing that grad, eighth grade graduation that I'll never be able to experience again was extremely painful, bro. Like, yeah. extremely. Like, so, like it's just it's so many pieces are taken from you. And then to uh, be ready to be free and the guard kick on the cell door and say, I'll always have a job and my son will always have a job because farther you're gone, your son and your unborn grandchild will be inmates as well. So... When I yell, keep driving, never give up, keep chipping away, keep those boots laced up, it's much deeper than just a slogan or, or, or something to put on a T-shirt and sell. It's like I'm speaking from my spirit. I'm speaking from a sense of finding purpose and this never being able to be taken, taken away from me because it's built from depression. It's built from darkness. It's like alchemists, like turning your pain into power and never looking back. And when I look in my son's face, and he tells me, I have a full academic scholarship worth $250,000 to Muhlenberg College. And I look at my daughter and I'm able to see her going to private school. And I look at my children's mother and I'm, I'm able to see her mentally in a better place. It's like, that's my motivation, bro. I see my sisters, my sisters seeing my three younger sisters seeing my mother pass, passing on my 11-year-old sister's birthday in church testifying if God takes me today or tomorrow, I'm ready. My sister seeing my dad wake up choking on the food he had the night before. He died of asphyxiation. Like all of this darkness, being able to use that as my motherfucking motivation, bro, is real, man. And that's my pain. That's my power. That's who I am, bro, to the core. That shit is real, man. For real. Definitely, definitely. I think, you know, us as, us as black folk, again, and, you know, black men, we do such a great job at first surviving, right? We we go and experience all of these things like we're surviving. Luckily, hopefully, we get a chance to be in a place where we can thrive. You know what I mean? Where we don't got to worry about you know what's have we got to look over our shoulder or what have For real, we. man. We we do so much surviving that a lot of times just living and thriving. It's not an option and it gets lost. And it's good to see that you, you know, you were in that survival mindset and now that shifted, you haven't forgotten those lessons that you've gotten during those experiences. And no those doubt, feelings bro. 
that take no you doubt. and and will help push you and drive you to that next level. Right. So I have so a question that, for you, bro. Critical. Go ahead. I got a I got a question for you. So I watch your stuff I, I, and I hear the conviction in your voice. I listen to um, all types of motivation. I I check out other things. I've even tried a therapist before. It really didn't. It really didn't work. Um, maybe I did. I'm gonna say I didn't apply myself as much because of all of the challenges of digging deep and uprooting that stuff, where it's just easier for me to use it as motivation. My question to you is: Yeah. When you speak of healing, I'm gonna say I'm gonna speak on I'm gonna speak on how I speak of healing, how I view healing. When I think of healing, I feel like the things that we have experienced, those traumatic experiences are things that are wired in our DNA. Those are things that we can't get rid of. So, and that's just how I feel. And I feel like those things are also my strength. My pain, the pain that I've been through, has, able, has, has enabled me to succeed and keep on elevating. I'm able to tap into different things, mentally, physically, and spiritually. So my question to you is when we speak about healing, do you feel as though the trauma that individuals are, have gone through is something that they can totally just be healed of? Or is that a scar that stays there? So, so I'm glad you asked this because it's, it's actually an exercise that I do, right? So, you know, when I go speak sometimes, I'll take in a foam roller, right? I'll take in a big foam roller. I'll sit it on the kid's lap or I'll sit it on an adult's lap and just sit it there. I'll go about my business, right? Now, it's going to be that one kid or that one adult who's they're, they're just going to play with the phone roller the whole time. They're going to keep acknowledging it, what have you, keep going. Then it's going to be mm -hmm. those. They'll play with it for a little bit, and then what they'll do is they'll play with it for a little bit, and then they'll, you know, they'll refocus. And then there'll be some, they'll see it there. They're like, all right, cool, it's there. And they, they'll refocus and keep going. And that's what I look yeah. at trauma as being, right? So a lot of times you'll see a lot of people who focus so much on the trauma that they're unable to even continue to work past it because it's just there, right? They're there, they see it, they feel it, and all of their behaviors show that it's there. It's going to, again, it's going to be those who recognize that it's there, like, listen, I've experienced this, right? You've experienced, you, for a prime example, you will be somebody where the roller was there, and then it's just like, all right, you know what, I recognize, let me refocus now and focus on what's going. That roller's going to be there, right? It's always mm -hmm. going to be there. Right. We can't we can't, you know, undo these experiences that we have. What we do is how can we move on from it? So, for example, my brother died when I was 19. Uh, no, not 19. When I was 17 in, in 2001, this before the opioid epidemic was rolling. He was one of the people out here using codeine, using Xanax, as well as selling them. Right. To cope with whatever he might have been feeling. And he ended up dying at the age of 24. I held on to that for a period of time. I was angry. I was frustrated. Mm -hmm. So I kept that trauma. I kept that there. It wasn't until I, I forgave myself and I forgave him, right, for, for that transgression, what happened. So now I recognize, like, I'm looking right here at my brother's ashes. My brother's ashes mm -hmm. are right next to me, right? I mm -hmm. just got him a few months ago. My mom couldn't look at him. She hasn't looked at him in... And that was 2001 in 18 years. She still hasn't dealt with that trauma of her son being gone. Yes, she's continued yeah. to move on, right? But that trauma is still there and it's still in the forefront. For me, it's present, but it's in the back. And now what I'm using is I'm using how can I take this story, flip it around? How can I take the pig 
and make chitlins, right? Take this ish that they gave us during slavery and make it into something edible, right? And so what, what edible is for me is going out here, telling my story, being vulnerable, having other brothers who can come on here, be transparent and be vulnerable, right? So no, I don't think that, that we ever, the trauma never leaves us, right? It's just, mm -hmm. it's ingrained in us, right? It's ingrained in our, you know, in our frontal lobe. I don't try to get too scientific, but that's mm -hmm. there. Right. Is but it a good thing I, or a bad thing? But I, you know, I just look at it as it is. It's a thing. Right. I just, I just look at it. Just, it just is what it is. Right. And gotcha. that's, you know, I try to not to even give it that much power to see whether it's, you know, it's helpful or it's harmful. I just recognize, and I think that's big gotcha. for a lot of us. As long as we acknowledge that it's there, and how can we maneuver, um, maneuver uh, through it, not around it. Right, because a lot of us go find other things that we can do, but sometimes we got to really sit in that uncomfortable feeling that we get in those experiences that we have. One of my good homies today, he told me he's about to go to Africa to go see his dad, right, and take his, his family over there, and so his dad, he has a good relationship with his dad, but he was like, yo, mm -hmm. Phil, he asked me this today, he said, yo, you know, I don't have any memory of me being young. He was like, for real, for real, my memories start when I was 18. He just turned he just turned 40. He was like, his wife sent him away on a boat down like Delaware Ave. And he was just on a boat by himself for like three days. And he really wanted to start remembering stuff. And when he started mm -hmm. remembering stuff, it started to come up. Right. And he was like, yo, it came up. And next thing I know, I found myself having a panic attack that I had to actually go to the ER. Right. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, we, we repress it, we suppress it, our memory puts it far away. But it's mm -hmm. not until we address it, right? And so that's why I say to him, listen, man, if a part of your healing process is having that conversation with your dad, yeah, y'all have a great relationship, and that might make it a little bumpier. But by having that conversation, that's you taking another step in your healing process. So mm -hmm. then when you do have the memory of what happened at 10, what happened with you when you're at, you know, you're in your 20s and you might be incarcerated. It's not mm. having that physiological response where you start and might get anxious. You, your stomach start turning and what have you. So now it's, it's always there, man. It's always there. But I think, again, we do a great job of working through because we done been through so much. Right? Yeah. We think about historical trauma. We think about slavery, Jim Crow. We think about now we seeing people getting killed on that look just like us. By people yes. that look like us, we see that on a regular basis. And so yes. we ingesting all this. You know what I mean? We ingesting all this. And somehow we still get up and still persevere. And it just speaks to, to our resilience and, and your resilience in the midst of this. You know, you found that an outlet that has has allowed you to not only be successful as far as from a business standpoint, but from a personal standpoint. And now mm -hmm. a part of your evolution, which again, which I see when you say uh, yo, I want to talk about Lewis Ford. We talking yes. about all right. I see, that's the evolution, right? Because the yes. A and F action figure was what helped you cope, and now we starting to really open up and say, "This is who I am, the man," right? Because the A and F action figure might go away, right? But who am I, the man, and and how will I be able to sustain myself mentally and emotionally and spiritually in the event that that does go away? So I know it's it was a long answer. No, no, that's a good answer because in hearing you talk, it's something that, um, that's good, bro. It is like therapy because in hearing you talk, it's just like, uh, 
I'm able to go back and understand why I am I, how I am today in terms of relationships, in terms of being so locked into falling in love with mastering my craft, mastering being a trainer, mastering the social media thing. And a lot of times it could just be from keeping me from those things that I know that are more challenging, like building a relationship, building friendships. I really don't have friends. I really don't, I don't, I'm not in a relationship. It's like, I'm so locked in and, and married to this vision and purpose that it's just like the other stuff that I know is challenging for me. It's like, a, it's like signing up a new client and it's hard for them to do a lunge because they're overweight or, or whatever. They have bad knees. And it's just like, all right, let's fix the issue. Let's not go around it. Let's try to fix and troubleshoot. So like, honestly, bro, me, yeah, me being so obsessed and dedicated to this craft and getting my body right and helping my clients and motivating and, and pushing is almost like a deterrent from me having to work on some of those things outside of my business, my brand, the A&F action figure that are more challenging to me. And that's just me being transparent, bro. Yeah, no, and, and what that is is, you know what I mean, even outside of this, that's just another, another step in – you know, your awareness, right? And yeah. that's another step in, in you, you know, making that conscious decision to, you know what, listen, I want to, I really want to work on myself outside of, of, again, what I'm known for. As far as the therapy aspect, listen, I've seen three therapists in my life. I saw one at 20, about 22, 23. I saw one when I was 30. And then my, the one I have now, uh, about 33 and a half. I just started taking medication for my depression and anxiety three years ago. And the reason I did that was because, uh, you know, I had finished my, I did a powerlifting meet and, mm. you know, I went to training in the gym and I had hurt my shoulder. I couldn't bench for three months. And so mm. I went to the doctor and he was like, uh, yeah, you know, some nines go see a sports, a temple sports uh, surgeon. And he checked, gave me some uh, some NSAID cream, non-steroidal uh, cream. It was like, go ahead. That's another story. Because then I, I talked to my, my homie who's a physical therapist. He had my arm feeling great again in two weeks. And that's just by telling, <laughs> me, to use, telling me to use bands. Here I am going to these specialists. And he like, yo, Phil, put some bands on. And, and then I'm like, yo, I'm perfect. But during, but during that period, when I went to go see him, he was like, all right, it's time for your, your wellness visit. And he was like, I was like, all right, I'll get a physical. He was like, so he went through everything. And he was like, you know, so are you, you know, are you depressed? And I was just like, y'all, yeah, I am. You know, because I knew mm -hmm. I've been depressed. I had suicidal thoughts every day for almost 15 years, you know, pulling over on 95 and 76, wanting to take my life, crying profusely. And so it was, you know, it was time. It was another mm -hmm. step in my journey where I, I was ready to, you know, I'm going to take this medication. And what it did was it stopped all of that. I tell people sometimes I try to think about being suicidal and it just don't work because, again, we're talking about a chemical imbalance that took place. And so, you know, with the therapist aspect, you know, I saw three. The first one, she, you know, she talked too much about her clients. The second one was a white woman who just didn't get it. Right. And I was like, all right, I'm not going to her. So I found my last therapist because I was going through a real bad breakup. You know, <laughs> I, I went in there. I told her what I was doing. Like, yeah, you know, I, call, I got this app and I'm calling her from different numbers. And she's like, well, Phil, you stalking her. She's like, Phil, you stalking her. And I was like, nah, that ain't yeah. stalking. But she, yeah. what she said was she said, yo, what you're doing is you're trying to find ways to avoid feeling that feeling. So when you start missing her and that feeling come in your stomach, 
you automatically picking up the phone instead of sitting with it and letting it pass. And once mm. I started doing that, I started realizing, like, you know what? I can do this. I can work through the issues that I've had with my mother, with my stepfather, with my brother being gone, with my relationship with my daughter's mother, and all of these things. So what I say about therapy, a lot of times we throw the baby out with the bathwater, right? And, you know, we don't do that with any other place. Like, I'm sure you've gone to L.A. Fitness bathroom. You're like, yo, this is disgusting. <laughs> and then next, you right back in there the next day, right? But we don't give... A lot of times we don't give therapists that same benefit of the doubt. Like, you know what? This is not a good therapist, but let me find another one. And so what it took for me was realizing what I needed as a therapist. And that's why I always recommend, you know, people really start to identify what it is that they need. But a lot of us don't really know. And that's even me being a therapist. I really didn't know what I need. I just thought I'd go talk to somebody and record like they're going to help me. And when in reality, listen, we're the only experts in our lives. You're the expert in your life. My role exactly. as a therapist or what have you is just to say, you know what? Listen, think about this possibly. Or call me on my bullshit. Like, she'll say, Mr. Phil, that's bullshit. You know what I mean? And I'll be like, yeah, it is. Because I know what I need. And so that's what I would say to you. And it might not be, you know, this week or next week or a year or two. You know, it takes time for somebody to really be in that position and say, you know what? I'm really ready to have this conversation to go to another level, even beyond. Um, so, you know, with, with that, I say, you know, just definitely keep the faith and continue to explore, you know, therapists, finding somebody that looks like you is hard. It's hard to find black therapists out here, but that would do you a world of good, right? Because I don't know if the person you tried previously, or you might not even have been in a place to, to really receive it at the time. So I, I definitely recommend, because, again, you're on this journey, and sometimes we need somebody just to, to throw the curveball and have us look at it different, right? Well, actually, actually, she was good. Yeah, actually, she was good, bro. She, she, was, she was good. It was just, it was just um, like you said, we had the answers already inside of us. I, and I feel like when I self-reflect and I journal and I, um, you know, like what really – great focus strategies. Yeah, yeah. When I do, when I do those things, I do them a lot. I'm I'm single. I live alone. Um, so it's just like I got a lot of time to myself outside of the business. So with that being said, it's just like when I do those things, I have the answers. It's all about like, are you? Am I willing to get uncomfortable and deal with those things? And I feel like whether with a therapist or by myself doing self reflection and journaling, it has. I have to be ready. I have to be ready to say. I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired. And, like, I know we have those answers. I know it, bro. It's just, like, I know that. And I'm getting better at it because I'm able to come on here and communicate that to you, bro. So, like, I yeah, I, sure. I really appreciate that, man. I appreciate having this platform to be able to go back and forth with you, too, bro. To build. Not go back and forth to build. Yeah, yeah. Because, again, man, this is, this is what this is about. Like, this is what this platform is. You know, I had a podcast. Yeah. I had a podcast before this where we talked about a little bit about mental wellness and, but, you know, it's just what I like about pop culture. And we did like 30 episodes, my co-host and I, and we went our separate ways. And then I just wanted to really think about what it is that I can talk about and what will make it unique, right? And it was just like, yo, the same things that I talk about, what I see about men, I stay defending men out here, right? I, de I, I study, stay having these conversations, whether it's at my men's group where I'm talking about abortion and it's just like no because this is the idea that with this whole abortion thing men shouldn't make judgments on women's bodies yeah i understand that but we have a role in this too right like i i and to a man the brothers that said 
they they their significant other or a girl they were seeing had an abortion. They remember that abortion to this day, and it impacts them, right? And so it's the reasons why that like we have feelings, right? We have mm-hmm. feelings. We're we're here. Our voices are needed. We can be vulnerable. We we can be authentic. We can be transparent and all the the cliche shit that that we say. But our voices is so necessary. And so that's what this platform is about having people who have voices um, and then let their voices just be heard, whether it's one person, whether it's a thousand people or a hundred thousand people. Right. Because, again, it's cathartic for you. Once you leave out of here, once you get out the will, you won't feel that much bit lighter. Right. Mm-hmm. Because and, and that much more confident in, in, in your abilities to go and, and handle the, the rigors of life. Right. So every day, bro. Yeah, you know, it's just like in the weight room. Like, you go in there, we strength train, you know, we might add five pounds the next week or ten pounds the next week. That's what this is. You know, but this is just in a way of healing. I look at this as a, as a healing space, man. No matter how you identify, it's safe. And I'm just glad brothers feel comfortable enough, like yourself, to come on here and really have this this dialogue to just say, yo, I'm more than what you think I am. So I, and it's I important. It. It's important because, like, when I think, like, as you talk, I think about my brother and the communication between my brother and I. Like, I'm I'm holding him down, making sure that he's good, making sure that I send him money, you know, answering the phone calls and just being able to have that dialogue. And it's just like, that's just not a natural habitat for an individual to have to sit in a small box 23 hours every single day and only get out to walk with handcuffs to a shower for 15 minutes and a sh- and and to be able to hop on the phone for 15 minutes and then send set out in the field in a small cage. So it's just like, it makes you feel like you're so lonely. So when I communicate through my experiences with that and I communicate to my brother, it's just like, this is necessary, man. We have some really heartfelt uh, uh, dialogue because it's just like, you could almost feel like, you know what, you don't even exist no more. If you don't have that mental fortitude and that will within you, that's already like deep in our DNA from having to be through so much trauma and drama. It's just like, damn, man, I love you. Just to, just to be able to tell my brother, listen, man, I love you. And I got you and me stand firm on those words. It's the power, bro. It's so much power in being there for your brother and understanding that there's accountability to you to stand firm on those words. And that's why I'm big on just being transparent and to thine own self be true, bro. Because in the process of being true to yourself, you can help so many individuals, like from the core, from the spirit, bro. So like I said, I'm going to keep on thanking you for giving me this opportunity to be transparent because it's so important, bro. No, listen, and I, and I think that's a, a great way, you know, to end it because that was that was articulate, that was amazing, that was on point, and it was necessary. And I know the people that are listening who are going to be taking this in, uh, they're going to benefit from it. So, listen, brother, I appreciate you coming on. Let no them doubt. know how to follow you. Let them know what you got going on. Website, merch. This your time to to do your thing. All right, so all right, so let's start first with the uh, with the YouTube ANF Action Figure. Um, website anfactionfigure.com i'm now on the west coast i'll be on the west coast for a little while now working on some things with regards to the business and the brand um to my joy my princess out there that's on here right now my joy ford i love you princess i got us i made a promise to you and i'm telling you just give me one year and i got us baby girl um to my son lewis ford jr i love you lou like I said, I got us. We're going to be fine totally. To my children's mother who are not together anymore, I love you with every single thing I got in my heart. 
And when I when I do do what I told you I'm going to do, I got you as well, baby girl. I'm going to make sure that you find no matter who you're with, whether you're with somebody, whether you're by yourself, I got you covered, baby girl. And that's my word. Um, Phil, I appreciate you, bro. Keep on elevating. Keep on healing. Keep on offering those platforms, man. And um, keep driving. Never give up, bro. I appreciate you, man. Salute. To everybody out there on here, I appreciate y'all for tuning in. And y'all gonna uh y'all gonna see a lot, man, within this next yeah. year. Y'all gonna see a lot. Salute. Well let them I know you got merch, you got it. Let them know where to get the merch. Let them know. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So you, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. So they don't care for the money. <laughs> uh, I got you, bro. So uh and that's the issue too right there, uh Phil. I wanted to, let me speak on that for two seconds. Go ahead. It's, it's I try not to um I know as long as I continue to plant positive seeds and do the right thing, the money is gonna follow. For so long when I was in the street. Money was my motivation. Now, no, don't get it wrong. I speak and manifest money. I want money. I, I love to make money. But one thing I want to do is leave first with my truth. And I feel like as long as you leave first with your truth, money will be the byproduct of that. So, like, they're going to buy the merch, anfactionfigure.com. But understand everything that's on those mer on that merch, hard body, strong mind, unbreakable spirit, warrior mindset, be fearless, train as if your life depends on it, are all things that I live and stand on. So it won't be me just trying to sell you a shirt with some dumb stuff on it. It's me to the core. Anything I sell you is going to be something that, that, that speaks to my spirit. So thank you all for all the support, man. Continue to follow. I got a lot of stuff coming, man. Salute. Oh, no doubt, no doubt. Listen, I want to thank everybody for tuning in. Again, share this with a brother, with a sister who could benefit uh, from this story that, that the good brother Lewis Ford uh, uh, so so amazingly uh, spoke about. I, I can't even find the words. Just tell, just how impressive I, you know, impressed I am with, with this conversation, with this interaction, because it always means a lot to me when I get brothers on here to really have that that real conversation. So yeah. just to get a brother to inspire, a sister to inspire, check out the website, www.quadify.com. That's Q as in quail, U-A-D as in dog, E-F-Y-L-L-C.net. You can get merch. You can get all that. Follow me on Instagram, Phil underscore quadify. Follow me on Twitter, Phil underscore quadify, even though I do not tweet, but I still got the Twitter account because that's what they say I'm supposed to have. Right, and then subscribe to the YouTube channel. It's Quantify LLC. I have a lot of uh, a, a lot of content about just about you know mental and emotional wellness, anxiety. So check that out. Listen, I appreciate y'all right on time because they just set the twenty five seconds left. So listen, Charlie, what's up? <laughs> <laughs> West Coast, what's up? West Coast, what's up? Philly, born and raised, but West Coast, what's up? I'm out here now, Cali, what's up? Phil, thank you, bro. Make sure you get some deadlifts in too, man. Hit a new PR, bro. I, I got I got a long time before that happened again, but yeah. No.